So all these five steps tie in together and they're really important to create that profitable business and create wealth for yourself. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we're dedicated to helping product-based business owners turn into revenue-generating, successful, happy product bosses. I'm Jacqueline Snyder. And I'm Mina Kunlosita. Together through digital courses, coaching, and masterminds, we've helped over 50,000 students from startup to multi-million dollar businesses scale their sales while blending in their dream life. It gets lonely out there in the product business world. We fully believe a business shouldn't be built alone. There's room at the top for all of us. So let's get scrappy and creative together, Product Boss, to be profitable, make more sales, and grow your visibility. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey friends, it's podcast recommendation time. This month, we can't seem to get enough of No Straight Path, hosted by the incredible Ashley Menzies Babatunde. Now, she is part of the HubSpot Podcast Network, just like us, and we can't wait to share what we love about her episode. Ashley's podcast is so inspirational. She does an incredible job helping to shed light on the true stories behind the shiny resumes, social media highlights, and job titles of those who have acquired success. She brings on guests from all walks of life to inspire conversations around what creating success actually looks like, because there is no straight path to success for anyone. Of course. And we truly believe this. She really humanizes success from the millennial perspective. She recently did an episode featuring Laurel Lynn Harig, where they dove into the importance of sustainability building a business. And it was so eye-opening. Yeah, I love that one. Laurelyn was sharing one of the biggest lessons she's learned as a business owner. And one of my favorite things that they talked about was how easy it is to forget that success doesn't happen overnight. Because I feel like as a lot of product bosses out there, um, they feel like it's taking a little bit too long or that they're falling behind, but they're right where they need to be when creating a successful business really does take time. So... Listen to No Straight Path wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, friends, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Product Boss Podcast. Um, This is a good one today. We have a special guest on, um, so we're really excited to introduce her. But before we do that, we want to remind you that you're here because we show up twice a week to support you, to help you get more eyes on your business, improve your systems, and keep more money in your pocket also to double your revenue by adding on revenue streams to your product business. And this one's going to be a great episode because we are going to talk about how to become more cash confident. And we are so excited to have financial strategist, Melissa Houston on today. Welcome, Melissa. Hey, ladies. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You've been on the podcast already too, right, Melissa? No, I've just been in your mastermind teaching. Oh, We've well, yes. Oh, well, yeah. okay. You, she, Melissa has been such an asset to our masterminders um, as a financial And she strategist. loves to talk money as much as we do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And I love your community. They're just awesome and so supportive. They love you too. And you're out of Canada, which I think a lot of our Canadian students have also loved being able to have a connection to a financial strategist like you. So we're yeah. so excited because you are launching at the time of air um, on May 16th, you are launching your brand new book, Cash Confident, an Entrepreneur's Guide to Creating a Profitable Business. So congratulations on that. 
Thank you so much. I'm like beyond excited about this. Feeling all the feels, right? Excited and nervous. And I mean, we're excited and proud of you. I remember when you first came into our community, you were talking about writing your book and submitting the proposal. And now mm-hmm. here it is. It's like, where did time go? I'm sure it went slower for you having to write the book. You know what? <laughs> writing the book was actually the easy part. People always ask me about that, right? For me, it's it's the scary thing is marketing. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. like, it's like writing with my left hand. Well, yeah. Well, that sounds like our community. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like maybe with our feet. <laughs> well, so tell us a little bit, like as, as a financial strategist, just, just give our uh, community or our listeners a little bit more background of you. Um, what have you done up until this point as this incredible financial strategist? Yeah. So actually the short version, I promise. But when I first graduated from high school, I went into social work and I graduated from social work and worked in there for about six years and realized that like as much as I loved doing that job, high, high burnout. Did a total 180 and went into accounting, got my CPA, worked with a ton of business owners, small business owners who were coming to CPAs for tax guidance, Uh, getting their corporate tax returns done and stuff like that. And as CPAs, they were offering advice to business owners. And I could see every time we met with business owners and the more senior accountant was giving me advice and I was sitting in the room watching the expression, the social worker in me was like, they don't understand what we're telling them. So I saw the huge disconnect, right? And I knew that when I started my business, I had to help small business owners understand their finances. Because once you understand what's going on with your numbers, when you know your business numbers intimately, that means you know your business really well and you can make profitable business decisions. And not enough people are talking about business financial literacy. I love that. I think that that really is... That's why it feels so inaccessible a lot of times is because you feel like they're speaking a different language. Yes. You know, and there is that disconnect. So I love that you saw that. And we actually met you because you were a Forbes contributor, right? That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I write. Actually, uh, she's written some of our Forbes articles. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah. And I write about amazing women entrepreneurs, just those yourselves, about business, financial literacy, and personal finance as well. Yeah. I mean, incredible. And and the information you're bringing in the world. And thank you for writing about women in business. So what are some of the things that you think are sort of the keys to owning our financial power and like learning how to make smarter and more profitable business decisions? Because I love that you talk about profit. That's huge for Mina and I. We always tell them how to build a profitable product-based business. Doesn't matter what sales you're getting if you're not profitable. Exactly. So, I love you saying that. <laughs> I know. I mean, they're like, everyone's always like, oh, they made how much? Like, you know, net versus gross. And we're like, you bet your bottom dollar that they're profitable if they're following yeah. what we do. Yeah. So let's dig into that a little. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the big things, and this is why it's step number one in my cash confident framework, is you need the money mindset. And when I started working with business owners, like one-on-one, I realized very quickly that the money mindset had to be there in order to claim that profitability, right? Everybody carries money stories and a lot of us are carrying baggage, right? We get our money stories as early as our earliest childhood memories. We carry them without even realizing they're holding us back financially. And a lot of us don't have positive relationships with money. So getting your money mindset in order is 
absolutely going to make the difference between a successful business versus a business that'll end up in disaster. Yeah, because Um, I think... Sorry, really fast, but I think you've said like about 82% of businesses fail. Due to financial mismanagement. Yeah. And that can be easily prevented. Amazing. So when you say money mindset, like what do you think like the core of that would be? There's so many reasons why people carry, um, you know, negative money mindset stories and stuff, right? And I think especially for us as women, a lot of us have been messaged and told that we don't, you know, we're not smart enough. We don't know math. Um, to We should be giving and nurturing, not making money and being profitable and powerful business owners. So a lot of messaging and a lot of early stories that we've heard, um, you know, we we get these stories from looking at friends, neighbors, parents, whatever. If you've grown up in a household where, you know, there was always debt and money wasn't readily available, you tend to adapt those patterns. Or maybe as a young person, or even, you know, at some point in your life, you heard that rich people were greedy and, you know, are, you know, you just, they're mean and they're, they have no place in the world. People are like, well, I want people to like me, so I can't have money. You know, there's just so many different stories that hold us back as people that we have to be cognizant of that in order to change the relationship that we have with money. I love that. Can we go a bit more into your framework? Like, could you go over a bit more of the framework for being cash confident with the steps that we need to take to get there? Absolutely. Because you have this cash confident roadmap to becoming financially savvy business owner. And I know all of this is inside of the book. And Mm -hmm. so if you all want to learn the how and the clear and easy follow-up steps to take that, you're going to want to buy the book. But you just went over step one on the roadmap, which is how to think about money in your business. So what would number two be? So I'm just going to preface this with saying that I believe that every entrepreneur has the ability to build wealth for themselves through their business. I don't teach you how to be an accountant. I don't teach you how to be a bookkeeper. I teach you as the business owner what you need to know financially in order to create that financially thriving business. So step two is understanding your financial statements, right? You've got an income statement that is the most widely used statement of for your business. And then you've got the balance sheet. Step three is creating a business financial plan for yourself. So that means assessing where you are currently to where you want to take your business for the next 12 months. Step four is monitoring the results against that plan you've made. Because when you make that financial plan, you're breaking it down month by month and you're always going to have a running year ahead. And each month you need to go back and compare, see what went right, what went wrong. And when you're monitoring, you also have to do tax planning because when you make profit, unfortunately, yes, you do have to pay taxes on it. So you want to make sure that you're saving that tax, um, your taxes payable so that when you do get that tax bill, you have confidence knowing that you've got the money to pay for it. And then the fifth step is the cash management. So ensuring that you're being proactively managing your cash. So all these five steps tie in together and they're really important to create that profitable business and create wealth for yourself. Jacqueline, isn't it crazy how much pressure product bosses are under when trying to increase their sales? Oh my goodness, 100%. That's why it's so important to get as many eyes as possible on your business. But the most important part is to continue to nurture and retain your customers. I agree, but in order to spend the time nurturing and retaining customers, you have to stop wasting time on those tedious manual tasks, such as marketing and creating emails or landing pages. 
This is exactly why HubSpot CRM helps set up marketing automation so that you can nurture your customers while saving time. They also have an AI-powered tool and AI-powered tools like Content Assistant that helps you stay in your zone of genius so you can focus on the most important things, your customers. They also make it super easy to drag and drop attention-grabbing emails and landing pages. Wow, that sounds incredible. I can't believe how easy it is to use and how much time it saves. I know, right? But the best thing about it is that it adapts to the way you do business and it grows with you, which is really important. It's never been easier to save time on those tedious tasks so that you can continue to focus on what matters most, your customers. Get started for free at HubSpot.com. product boss. Okay. This is for you. The other day we got a message from Lolly asking us if we had a referral for a great inventory management software to help track raw goods and on-hand products that were ready to sell. And you know what we told Lolly? We sure do. Not only do we have a resource for inventory management software, but we have over 308 other business tools and resources that will help you effectively run your product-based business. Now this ranges from packaging and printing supplies, affiliate management, website and email software, legal resources, video and photo tools, and so much more. You will have everything you need to grow your dream product business today and at no cost to you. Yep, this is totally free and you can download the Product Boss Ultimate Resource Guide right now by heading to theproductboss.com slash resource guide. Again, that's theproductboss.com slash resource guide. Now back to the show. I love that because, you know, talking about financial literacy, it, you we phrase it that way. But one of the things that you taught our students when you came into our community was how to read, like you said, your financial statements, your P&L, your balance sheet. That can be very overwhelming and, and make you feel silly in a lot of ways if you don't know how to read that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so like, I'm not telling people how to feel, but it's so unnecessary to feel silly or shame or embarrassment if you don't know this stuff because it's not your fault. Where would you have learned it? Nobody talks about it. We didn't learn it in school. And chances are when you set up your business, you set it up to do what you what you feel passionate about. If people had told you you needed to know your numbers, that probably would have been a deterrent, you know? Like it's not the sexy side of business, but it becomes the sexy side of business when you start seeing how much income potential that you get from your business when it's run well. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So money is so in- intimidating, right? Financial statements mm-hmm. are so intimidating. Like knowing our numbers is intimidating, but it does start to feel good when you know how money works. Right? Absolutely. And, and that's why like the money mindset is the first step. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, once you're working on your money mindset and you start building on steps two to five, you start gaining that financial confidence because I'm a firm believer, like you can talk about your money mindset all you want, but the only way it's going to transform is if you start getting in there and managing your money well, and that builds your confidence. And then you see how capable you are as a business owner to really take your business from something that's, you know, maybe just scraping by to something that's flourishing and thriving. I love yeah. that. So um, as we, you know, as we talk more about the book, what is your goal with the book? Like, I'm not talking about like, you know, number of sales. I'm talking about why did you write the book? What is the purpose of your book? 
I love that question. I have not been asked that question yet. (laughs) And the reason why I wrote this, like my underlying um, passion for my own business is to help women understand when you own a business that you can have that confidence and create that wealth for yourself. We need more wealth in the hands of women. And I want to help not just women, but all entrepreneurs and knowing that that's the missing piece for most entrepreneurs. I mean, a good idea will get you a little bit of a ways, but money management will take you to to your goal, right? So showing you how to manage your money and becoming that successful business owner is absolutely the driving force behind the book. Mm, I love it. That feels very aligned with what we want to do too. And I think that that's what connects us so much, you know, us to you and you to our community and everything like that is because it is once we put more money into the hands of women, I think that the impact can be so much greater than, um, than what it has been. And, um, and it really does start with the fact that they are, they don't know it's, they're capable of that, that wealth building, you know, exactly. Um, yeah. They have to be shown know. how capable they are. Yes. yes. Yeah. And the po- the possibility, and it can look different for each of us. Exactly. And that's why I love what you ladies do too, is because not only do you sh- show them how to run a business, but you show them how to make money, which is so important. And we, and the more we normalize these conversations about making money, the more women can claim their power and say, Hey, I'm worthy of making millions. Just like, uh, you know, Mr. Joe over here. Yeah, 100%. Yes. Love that. So what would be the next step on this roadmap? We've covered the five steps. Oh, we did them all. We went through them so fast. (laughs) (laughs) We can go into detail about any topic. Yeah. Five steps. Well, what looks like, you know, do you want to talk about is the imposter syndrome? Yes. So where do you see like that happen the most with the imposter syndrome? I mean, that definitely ties into the mindset piece, right? So Mm -hmm. most often when I start working with clients, there's like shame, fear, and embarrassment. And a lot of them feel that CEO imposter syndrome because they don't know their numbers. They don't know how profitable they are. Often people come and they're like, I don't know how much I'm making. I don't know how much I should be making. I'm, I'm struggling to pay myself. And knowing that there's a system out there that's easy to follow, once somebody's showing you how to do it, it becomes so much easier, right? Breaking it into smaller steps and ensuring that you don't feel as overwhelmed. Like when you're looking at your finances, like if you look at the five-step framework, it may feel very overwhelming. Like, oh my God, how am I supposed to do all this at once? But when you're shown step by step by step what you need to do, and eventually you get to the fifth step, it becomes so much easier, so much more manageable. And what I hear from clients every single time is, wow, that was not as hard as I thought it would be. Mm. Yeah, I mean, agreed. Like 80, you, we mentioned the 82%, but so most businesses will fail, right? Most businesses will fail. And yeah. you said it's due to poor money management. And even, even the idea of that, right? Like thinking about the 20% are simply more financially savvy. Yeah. Like that's all it is. You know, so it's not because they, you know, had some magic thing or they, the root of it was that they simply had either conversations or um, doors opened for them in a way because of the conversations. Like they understood what money meant, they understood how to manage money. That's why I think that even maybe if they were to learn it, there's a financial literacy that happens in schools now, 
which wasn't that way before, right? Mm -hmm. And then now there's even like the idea of starting a business and everything like that is different even for the younger generation. So I I hope that, you know, I'm with you and feeling like that 80% will come down as long as we give the power of knowledge to our community. Exactly. Yeah. And the more we talk about it, the more people will feel comfortable talking about it, right? It won't be this taboo subject. I got a pitch not too long ago, which really caught my attention because it said that most millennials would rather detail, or no, it was Gen Z, sorry. Most Gen Zs would rather detail their worst hookup than talk about money. (laughs) (laughs) Why are they hooking up so young? Am I so old that Gen Z is now old enough to hook up? (laughs) You know I didn't really bars. think about it that way, but <laughs> you know, when you go to the bars and it's like, if you were born after or before this date, you can drink like for 20 yeah. and over. And I'm always like, how is this number, this number? Yeah. It's like, it feels so far away. Yeah. Or, or when like, you have to spin to your yeah. age. Yeah. yeah. Oh. oh yeah. The further you go, you're like, I'm getting older. But um, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, I think that is so interesting about money because I think that's, you know, people would say like, you don't talk about religion. You don't talk about politics. And I feel like people don't talk about money either. There's like, but, but the thing is, is that, and I'm not going to generalize, but I do think a lot of uh, like, let's say men that have been exposed to it, do have that conversation, right? They do open up doors. Like I know my brother who's five years younger than me has been brought deals to invest in other companies. He knew about like, when loans were up, when loans were down, percentages, like it just seems like he like had a banker in his brain. And it might be because bankers did reach out to him. It might be because his friends are bringing him deals, right? It's not, they're not coming to us. Um, and that's something, you know, even when I refinanced my house, they asked to speak to my husband. And I was like, it's me you're speaking to. <laughs> like I own the car, you know, um, I'm on the loan, I'm on the deed. Like, and yeah. so it's even this thing of like when been when being given opportunities, I think people are still catching up with women taking this like leadership role also. Absolutely. And as you're saying this, it reminds me of the the low percentage of venture capital that's granted to women business owners. I mean, I'm sure you know that statistic, but for listeners who aren't aware, in 2020, it was 2.3 and it's falling even further in 2022. It's gotten lower, not higher. That is a disgusting number. It, it pisses me off. Sorry yeah. if I've overstepped by using that P word, but um, it does. We like, can get so much worse. So that was okay. <laughs> yeah, the P word. The P word. I've never yeah. heard it called be called that. So you're okay. Okay. <laughs> it does piss me off. It's like, yes. why is this happening? And you know, like you're you're so right. Like men are comfortable talking about it. Men are comfortable lending to men. They have more confidence in men. And I just call BS on that. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, women, it's also because generationally, we have so much more to catch up on. Women couldn't even have their own mortgage in the 1980s, not 70s or 60s or or 40s. Yeah. Or their own credit card. That's insane. That was after I was born, you know? So I don't think I knew that, which makes me really mad right now. That's true, right? 1980s? Yeah. Yeah. It's totally true. Yeah. So, um, it's crazy to think about like she couldn't even as a wife, you couldn't even get your own house. You couldn't even, you know, sign a lease of a car or anything mm-hmm. like that. In fact, even back then, you wouldn't even be awarded your children. You couldn't have your own children um, for if you were a single mom. Now things have changed a lot, you know, in like divorcing. I mean, that's probably why women stayed with the men is because 
they wouldn't, where are you going to live? You can't sign anything. Financially dependent on this. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So in, um, to get a credit card in your name, I think you had to be married or something like that, but women in 1974 was when women were allowed to have equal credit opportunity. 74. Okay. Not quite 80, but that's still bonkers crazy. Well, it probably would have taken to the eighties for everybody to catch up too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was born in 73, hate to age myself. And thankfully I was like, my mom is super um, confident and financially savvy and the whole bit. Right. So when I learned the statistic later in life, I was shocked that my mother was under these conditions. Yeah. Even in 1974, women could get their own mortgage. Okay. But it was very rare. Yeah. So this, I mean, for all of us listening, and if anyone's feeling like their blood boil or like hair standing up on the back of their necks, like me, it is in our time, when we were born in our generation, in our 40s of needing to move this ball forward so drastically, which is amazing, right? That we can move it forward. So you're right. Like you said this in the beginning, it's not our fault that we don't know these things, we're all catching up. So we, it's like kind of like we need to accelerate this. And so women like you writing books like this for women like us is so helpful and useful instead of, you know, it's like, when was the last financial book we read other than like Susie Orman that was written by a woman, woman for women. They're all like men. Or if they talk about success, did she write it for women? She I is mean, women and money. Yes. She is women and money. Her kids called okay. women and money. <laughs> It's one of my first financial books I read. Just making sure. (laughs) But I remember reading, I have this one book on big, it's like, uh, uh, think big, act small. I really like it. It's like about the top businesses in in the country about uh, finances. And in the very beginning, he talks about all these fantastic businesses and they're all owned by men. And I'm like, (laughs) where are the examples? Give me the Sarah Blakely's and the Oprah Winfrey's of the world. Like, let's share some of them as well. Exactly. So many more. Exactly. And that's part of what motivated me to write the book too. I thought this, I call BS on this too, because how many women can relate to these stories? Like, it's just not fair. Yeah. We need more women in there talking about money and making money. Yeah. We don't need a golf course to have the conversation. Like, (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. I agree with that completely. I heard this big debate uh, not too long ago about the opportunity, the business opportunities being on the golf course and how women had to adapt I call BS to that too. We, we shouldn't have to adapt and have to learn how to play golf. How many women play golf? They don't like it. It's a stupid sport, you know? <laughs> and on top of yeah. that, it's a very costly sport. So for you to even be on that golf course, you actually have to have the money. So I love it's when not... businesses pay for men to go golfing together. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to start paying for spa days. So we can exactly. go talk in the hot tub about money. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. <laughs> Which actually we did. So Mina and I are in this mastermind. Um, that's like a like women making $10 million in their businesses. And we were actually at a retreat and we were in the pool. I remember so specifically. And we were talking about tax incentives for having a private plane. And Love I remember that. looking around this like mansion of this amazing person that's hosting the mastermind and thinking, wow, we're all in the water with cocktails, listening to music and talking about the tax benefits to flying private. And I was like, where am I? But these conversations are being had by other people and it took us that long to get to that conversation. Well, I am so proud that you're there. Yeah. Yeah, And having those conversations. It is mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling. I think one of the things that I realized too, 
was that when we started to come up with this world, we're always recommending books, was that I was continually recommending things like, um, you know, Think and Grow Rich, all these men's books, right? And out there in the world, everybody's continuing to recommend men's books. Why? Because most men are the are the ones that are writing those books, right? They're writing the business books. They're even for business, not even for finances. Finances is even just a little subsector of that, you know? So there will come a day when we will all, and this is the day where we're like, you know what? You need to read this book. You need to read Cash Confident and um, by Melissa Houston. And that is the book that we can recommend because then that is what's really going to create the impact because it's like we continue for the longest time, I, I was trying to only recommend women p- women who wrote books, but it was some, a lot of those books were, and this is no shade against them. It was about balancing home life with uh, business life. And I'm like, that's what, that's the only conversation we're having over here. You know, like where are the books that are just like made for money, you know? Yes. And um, that You're was giving me goosebumps. I love there it. There our book idea, Mina. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll write it in a different way. But the thing is, you know, and then the women will recommend our books. But I think that we as women need to start recommending only women written books. Because if we plan to change anything, it's going to start with us being able to lift each other up. Yeah. And and it reminds me, like, I remember looking for a book, like when I was doing my, my comps analysis and stuff, there was a women directed book and I just about died because it was written by a man. Oh yeah. I love it. Yeah. They tell us what to do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This is no shade to all our, our gents that listen to us and all the men here. And like, we are both married to very supportive men, but as women and in the seventies was when we were allowed to have our own mortgage and credit cards and all of these things. It's just frustrating sometimes as we're trying to build wealth we have these goals. We are able now to be able to be moms and have really like seven figure, eight figure businesses, right? Um, we're able to do these things and own them and make our own decisions. And so I just want to thank you for helping to continue to empower us, whether it's our generation or generation Gen Z, who they're going to have to <laughs> read your book too. <laughs> they sure will. We're trying to make generational leaps right now. You know, so while the gents are listening, know that that is the reality of the world, you know, so you might get offended by it. You should be offended by it because that is ridiculous, you know, and we're trying to make generational gaps. That's why our generational leaps. That's how I feel when it's like I'm in the room and, you know, there's super uber wealthy people, but they've been so privileged in their life. This is just a, a standpoint from a very, like I've been like a marginalized community, right? Women is a big subsection of that, but then it gets more and more marginalized. And I think that, you know, while we don't want to offend the people that are listening, it's like, what, this is the first time you're going to get offended. You should be offended for our sakes, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I'm excited about your book. I'm excited too. We're going to plan to do a giveaway for all the people that are listening. And so they can get their hands on your book, whether or not they can afford it. So um, make sure all of you listen for that because we'll um, we'll do a giveaway and then we'll put the giveaway into the show notes. Awesome. I love that. So any sort of parting words you want to share with our listeners right now as they're kind of thinking about money and wanting to own their own financial power? Absolutely. One of my favorite things to talk about is to really reflect on the courage that it takes 
to put your stake in the sand kind of thing moment where you're like, I want to make money and it's not a bad thing. So have like, feel that empowerment, feel that excitement about wanting to build your financial future and have it without shame. There's no shame about having money. It brings financial security. It brings financial freedom and it helps you with your stress levels. Absolutely. Money doesn't make you happy, but it gives you opportunities. Yeah, it's a tool. It does make you happy as long as you spend it on the things that make you happy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's be real here. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. The way that you phrase that. Yeah, stress level and stake in the sand, you know, like you actually taking responsibility and being like, hey, I do like to make money because it alleviates my stress because. I think that we all know that money makes it easy, makes life a bit easier when you have the opportunities to use that money. Yeah. But if you're a jerk before you have money, you're still going to be a jerk after. Yeah. Yep. You work on yourself. (laughs) It amplifies it. Whatever, whatever your dream is and who you are is going to still be amplified whether or not you have money. So, you know, um, I think that's for sure true as well. This is a little bit of a tough love episode, my friend. Yeah, it sure was. <laughs> but it's like shake you by the shoulders and tell you you have you're capable of making money and you should be proud of that. Yeah, yeah. you have the power. The power. Embrace it. Thank you, Melissa. So tell our listeners where they can buy the book and how they can connect with you. Yeah. So the book is in local bookstores May 16th. Uh, you can buy it on Amazon as well. Barnes and Nobles should be in Walmart, Target, different places. Whoa, and, Target. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, you can find me at shamiansprofit.com. There's a plethora of resources there. I've got a podcast. I've got blog posts. I've got tons of things to support you throughout your financial journey. We will um, add all of that to the show notes. So all of you can find simple ways to support Melissa. Get the book, which will support you lifelong in um, hitting your financial goals. And we're going to do that giveaway. So um, come join us over on Instagram. Look out for an email because we're going to be giving away the book to some very special listeners. Yeah. And recommend it after you read it. Yes. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive. And we are all about helping each other in the Product Boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us.